0: BLOB TALK RADIO The headlights are a-cutting the fog on a midnight highway And eighteen wheels are a-driving through the dawn There's a blue ridge mountain sunrise filling the mirrors and the ashtray's full, the coffee's almost gone. And the trucker's heading west
1: to Colorado,
0: passing the miles with his friends on the CB code. And tonight the truck stops somewhere out in nowhere. And tomorrow, down the open road, and I believe he's gonna drive that rig to glory, and I believe I feel the freedom in his story, riding that diesel one, chasing that long white line, dropping that load on time, and he's going home.
2: Hello, buddy, and welcome to the Interactive Internet. I'm your host, Pete Carr, welcoming you to our Sunday show. And I know uh, we haven't had a show for quite a while, and that is partly my fault and partly the fault of Blog Talk Radio. Um, we'll talk about Blog Talk Radio's fault first. They, uh, they used to be able to... Uh, just a second here they used to be able to let us schedule shows weeks in advance and i would schedule a show for every sunday you know it was a recurring show every sunday at 6 p.m and then when it was time to go for the show i would just simply call in and go from there uh, a lot of times mary lou would would work the switchboard while i was out uh out on the road delivering. Well, anyway, Blog Talk Radio did away with the re- recurring shows. So in order for us to have a show, we have to manually set up every show every week. And it's just a pain for me to do that. Um, the best thing that I can do is at the end of one Sunday show, go ahead and set up the show for the following Sunday. You know, But a lot of times, I don't have the time Or Mary Lou's working the switchboard, and she doesn't know how to set up the next week's show. And I haven't taught her how to do it. So, consequently, we have not had a show every single Sunday the past couple months now. And it really irks me that Blog Talk Radio did this. I would rather be able to set up a show for three months in advance uh, and then check out, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 shows in a row without having to reset my show every couple weeks. Anyway, um, like I said, it's Blog Talk Radio's fault because I have to change things. Uh, When when they did that, I have to go back in and manually set up a show every week. And I really don't have time to do this, folks. Anyway, that's where we're at. We're on today. We're going to have a 60-minute show. It's a general call-in. You can do whatever you want. And uh, speaking of Mary Lou, I think... uh, are you on there, Mary Lou?
1: Yes I am. How are you?
2: Okay, I'm good. Uh, I had to mute you for a minute because I heard a lot of noise in your background. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm still not um, I'm still not feeling good. Uh, mm-hmm. basically for the last month folks, I have been feeling uh fatigued out chronic diarrhea, all of that. It's commonly called Montezuma's revenge. Uh, it's, it's actually an amoeba that comes from, uh, tainted, uh, tainted fresh produce that comes, uh, apparently there is a big outbreak in Texas right now. Uh, they've traced it back to imported from Mexico raspberries, uh, And they also said uh, some of the prepackaged salad mixes have it in it. And I picked up a prepared salad at the Flying J in Oak Grove, Kentucky. And about a day later, this hit. And it's been hitting me every day to the last month. I'm finally truck stop entrance and run into the bathroom every hour. Um, But I'm still not well. It's going away, but it's not gone yet. It's one of these things, and I read up on this, it's called cyclospora. It will, if you don't get treatment, and there is a specific drug regimen for it, if you don't get treatment, it lasts anywhere from two to four weeks. And it kind of comes and goes. So it really hasn't been a fun month, folks. Uh, that's another reason why I haven't had a show. I, I've just been completely worn out with this. I mean, worn out to the point where I've got to gotta work to get myself in and out of the truck. You know, usually I can just jump up, jump down, no problem. Uh, get the trailer doors open and closed, no problem. I mean, I am weak. This has worn me out, and I also noticed... In the last couple of days, I'm dropping weight again. Now, back last fall, I started uh, eating these prepared salads from Flying Jays. And that's about the time that I started losing a lot of weight and, and having that, that chronic diarrhea and everything. And I just wonder if I've been picking this up all along. Um Anyway, that's it on the prepared salad. No more of those. Uh, we're going to stay away from that for a while because I think uh, I, I think they're tainted, and I don't want to take another chance on this because this is not fun being sick out on the road. But... You know, it's bad enough when you work a regular job and you get to go home every night and everything, and, and you know, you've got the husband or wife um, there to take care of you and all that. But when I'm out here on the road, on the truck, by myself, it's just no fun at all. Anyway, hopefully I'm on the mend. Uh, We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. But, you know, yesterday, well, from Thursday to today, I had time off in in Georgia unplanned because my delivery uh, wouldn't take their shipment on Friday. They said that they would take it on Monday. And uh, I got a couple of days off, so I parked in a truck stop near the door, and I've just been kind of walking back and forth between a truck stop and a truck uh, for the past three days, folks. Anyway, that's how I spent my Fourth of July weekend, sick in Georgia. Uh, Anyway, Lou, uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, tell everybody how your Fourth of July went.
1: It was fantastic. Um, everything came together with no hitches for me for a change. You know what a worrywart I am. Um, I Actually, yesterday, which was the fourth, all I had to make was the deviled eggs. Everything else was done ahead of time. The night before, I fixed the dessert. Everything was planned. Everything was gotten. All I had to do was set everything out. Uh, One of of my boys did the cooking on the grill, so I didn't have to do that. I just did the rest of it, put it together and made sure everybody got everything that they needed. It was a very good day. We had a little bit of rain. You could stand in the rain and not get wet. That's how easy it was yesterday. Not like the downpours we've been getting and like we got today. But it was a fantastic day. We sat around, we talked, we had a fantastic time. We just had a blast. That's basically it.
2: Okay. Well, and I said the other day, I knew that I was going to have an unplanned couple of days off. Um, and this is the way. This is the way trucking works. Um, I picked this load up. On uh, Wednesday afternoon, down in Lake Wales, Florida, and the broker that we have that that we do this for every week, um, said that I uh, you know, said that we uh, had a delivery appointment up by uh, Nashville, Tennessee, on Thursday at 10 a.m. Well, my company took the load, and then after they took the load asked me if I could get it up there on time. And I said, nope, I can't do it because I've already run 300 miles today and you're talking about another 800 that's 1,100 miles straight. I can't do it. So they called our broker back and the broker said, well, they won't take it on Friday so you're just stuck with it over the weekend. They didn't bother to tell us that until after I picked up the load and left. Anyway, had I known about this, I could have had a weekend off down there with Mary Lou in Ocala.
1: That's right.
2: Yeah. And then I could have played, you know, Sick Puppy, and she could have ministered to me. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> and it would have worked. Yeah. But, but this is just the way trucking works sometimes. You know, you can't... And, and Mary Lou learned this over the years, over the past couple of years, she's learned this the hard way more than once. You can't Mm. plan
1: anything. Right? That's right. I just do my own thing most of the time. Yeah. I have to.
2: Anyway, um, (laughs) Long Talk Radio has a a notification on my screen. It says they will be closed until Monday for Uh, and it pops right back up on the middle of my screen, folks. Anyway, if you would like to call in and talk with us, it is 646-478-5150. 646-478-5150. Go ahead and give us a call. Let us know how your Fourth of July weekend is going. It's almost over now. Um. There has been, and I'm down in Georgia. I am in the Southern United States, folks. And there has been, in recent weeks, a big controversy over the Confederate flag. Um, in light of the killings up in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, at the uh, Emanuel AME Church, um, a lot of people have put onto the idea. That the motivation for this mass killing of the church, the motivation was a Confederate flag. So now they're going around and, and berating everybody that has a Confederate flag. Um, Bubba Watson, the golf pro, owns one of the original General Lee cars from the Dukes of Hazzard TV show. And he posted that he is going to paint an American flag over the top of the General Lee automobile. Now the General Lee has a the top of it. You know, it's not exactly a historical car. It's a collectible automobile, and it has value. It has value as long as it as it remains original. When he paints over it with an American flag, he has destroyed the value of the car that he bought willingly. Now, if it was an actual historical automobile, uh, I would have a strenuous objection to it. Because of the fact that it's a TV historical automobile, I really don't give a damn. It was his to buy. He bought it. I'm, I'm sure Knowing what the car looked like, Confederate flag on the roof and all, and he bought it, you know, as for probably several reasons, but one is as a collector, as an investor, as somebody that wants to have the bragging rights and say, I own the General Lee. Well, his investment, once he painted over it, is that his. You know, the worth of it as an investment is gone. You can't repaint over it again. If it is not original or reconditioned original, it's worthless. It loses its its, uh, investment value. It's his to do, folks. And then we have um, the professional next generation race hustler D. Ray McKesson who has this organization called Black Lives Matter and they tried a million person march in Charleston, South Carolina for July 4th. Uh, Apparently they had a couple hundred people show up. They are protesting the Confederate flag around the South. The, uh, State Capitol, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, the uh, South Carolina State Capitol grounds has a Confederate war monument with a Confederate flag. The, actually, and I'll tell you what we're talking about. We are talking about the Confederate battle flag of the Army of Northern Virginia. That is exactly what that, you know, people, some people call it the stars and Bars. That is the real name of the flag. It is the battle flag of the Army of Northern Virginia. Now, when I lived up in Winchester, Virginia, there were a number of uh, reenactment groups around. You know, mainly Civil War groups. There was a uh, there was a Revolutionary War group, and then up in um, I think up in Hagerstown. Maryland or Martinsburg, West Virginia—one or the other. There was a World War II reenactment group, a small one. But Winchester, Virginia, very historical town as far as the Civil War is concerned, it was—it um, had—it had traded hands between the Union and Confederate forces more times than any other town during the Civil War. Uh the Union Army would come in on a Friday night, take it over, and Sunday they'd they get knocked out by the Confederate Army, the Confederate Army take it over Monday morning. It was um, like I said, it changed hands more times than any other any other city or town during the Civil War. Um, right down from there you had the Battle of Cedar Creek down south of uh Winchester and i I had an office, and we lived right on through the left uh Stephen City, which is just south of Winchester itself Now, during the battle at cedar Creek uh General Custer's Michigan regiments were givehaacked in Winchester and at that time, of course, you didn't have interstate eighty warrant you had uh, Route 11 was actually nothing more than a trail. It wasn't Route 11, but, but it's always been uh, the main road from the south to the north through the Shenandoah Valley. Anyway, uh, at the beginning of the Battle of Cedar Creek, Custer, who was bit up in Winchester, actually heard the gunfire from, from the battle down at Cedar Creek. Now, Cedar Creek was about... I'm thinking 12 to 15 miles away. But, of course, back then you didn't have all of the, you know, modern noise pollution and all that. And Custer rallied his forces and drove them south to the Battle Battle of Cedar Creek. Now, my office was right directly on, and a lot of the buildings, you know, in the blocks where I were, We're buildings from, you know, we're houses and and taverns and everything from uh, the 1700s. And, you know, folks, I used to go out. I'd go out in the evening, and I'd stand out there, and I'd look at Route 11, and I would say, you know what? George Custer rode south within 20 feet of me. He traveled down Route 11, and I know him. I know Custer would not take a circuitous route. He would have gone straight down the path that I was looking at. And I thought about that. Here I was in a very historical area, and I'd been down to the Battle of Cedar Creek. You know, they have a reenactment every year and all that. And I've been down there a number of times. It's it's one of the biggest get-togethers to reenact. Uh, and mainly because Gettysburg being a national park, it's very hard to get uh, a reenactment going at Gettysburg, so everybody goes to Cedar Creek. Anyway, um, one of the one of the reenactment groups was a Confederate unit called Cutshaw, Cutshaw's Battery of Jackson's Army. It was a Southern. It was a Confederate artillery unit and they were based in uh Winchester and I was uh, associated with those folks together my uh my uniform and all that kind of thing. And that would be a Confederate uniform. Uh, I was working my way up to being a Confederate reenactor. And then uh I moved from Virginia down to Florida in two thousand and one and and of course that you know that stopped that whole process. It's a piece of history, folks. That's all it is. It's a piece of history. Now, how many of you have seen the movie Gettysburg? You know, the miniseries Gettysburg. Most of the soldiers that were portrayed in there were portrayed by reenactors. People who do this every year. Those were not actors. They were reenactors. A lot of um, a lot of the World War II movies, you know, the more modern ones, they get World War II bringing actors to play the Nazis. There are that they uh, condone what the Nazis did in World War II. They are presenting it from a historical perspective, so that you can see it authentically. You know, get off the tractor for half a second. Most of you went to school here in the state, in your hometown, probably the town that you live in now. I went to school overseas as an, as an Army grad. And so I went to school in Hungary, in Ethiopia, in Germany, and in the United States. Now, my high school years were in Germany. And, you know, folks, when we were in history class, say, in 10th, 11th grade, And we were in history class, and we were learning about ancient Rome. Well, rather than looking at textbooks and and maybe seeing a film and and all of that, my history teacher would get a bus, and we would drive to Rome. Maybe, you know, eight, nine-hour drive. So instead of looking at a textbook or seeing a movie about Rome, we went to Rome. And it's a whole lot different perspective when you're walking around in Rome. Rather than seeing it from a movie or whatever, you know. Let's face it, when you're in high school and they show a film, half of us went to we sleep in it. But when you're walking those ancient streets and, and checking out the buildings and the Coliseum and the catacombs and you know, you look you look over here and here is the Vatican, that's a whole different way of learning. And it's the same thing with historical reenactors. It's one thing to even go to a museum and look at a, at a static display. It's a whole other thing. When you're sitting in an encampment down in Cedar Creek, Virginia, and the reenactors are all sitting around the camp and all that, and they're telling you all about you know camp life and everything, uh, what it was like being a Civil War soldier. You get so much more knowledge from an actual person than you would ever get from a book or a movie or whatever. Just because these people fly the Confederate battle flag or they're dressed up as Confederate soldiers in their butternut uniforms just because they're doing that, folks, doesn't make them a bunch of racists. Probably exactly the opposite. Because there's a famous saying that says, those who ignore history are bound to repeat it. Anyway. Um, you know, the Confederate flag. The Confederate flag from, from from the beginning of the Civil War to now, I will bet you has killed no more than three people. And the only reason I say it probably killed no more than three people is probably in a charge, the Confederate trooper that was handling the flag may have used it as a spear and, and killed the Indians all but other than that, the Confederate flag killed nobody first. It was people killing people. And it will always be people killing people. I just saw earlier today in a tweet, woman admits to killing her neighbor with a baseball bat. How many of you are going to call for the elimination of baseball bats now? No. But if it was a gun you want to do away with a gun. If she had a Confederate flag in her home, you would probably blame the Confederate flag or the baseball bat, but you wouldn't blame the person with it. See, that's why all of this protest is a bunch of bullshit. You are protesting the wrong thing. You know, if you want to end racism, take a kid a year old and teach them all that are created equal. That black child is just as equal to There's your new friend. Meet your new friend. You got a new Asian friend or a black friend, whatever. You know, that's the way I grew up. I grew up in it all my life. I never thought anything of it. Yeah, I noticed that they were different skin color, but you know what, folks? That didn't matter. While you guys were in school in 1966 in the United States, in a racist, segregated United States, I was in Germany, and I had a black girlfriend. And my friends never said a thing. Because we were beyond that all my life. And I dated them for who they are. Not for their skin color. And they were all beautiful in their own ways. But not for their skin color. That really didn't matter. If somebody would say, would come up to me and say, you know, you're dating a black woman, I'd look at them and say, you know what, you're right. Thank you for pointing that out to me. And I'd just walk away because they're ignorant. Thank you for stating the obvious. It didn't matter. You know, I hate to tell you folks, but I am so far beyond all of them, or most all of them. I'm not, you know, blue, I'm not plumping you in this category, but I've gone beyond what skin color is a long time ago, folks. And that's what you need to do to your children. You need to teach them as little kids that skin color doesn't matter. Create the next generation of people who are free of racism. That's the only way it's going to work. You know, breed it out of society. But don't blame a Confederate flag. That's going. Lou, they tried to boycott Stone Mountain, Georgia, over the Fourth of July weekend. And Stone Mountain posted last night that they had a record attendance.
1: I know. I saw that. That was awesome. That was really awesome. I cannot understand why they want to mess around with history. They don't teach half of our history as it is anymore in school. Why do they have to keep trying to change things? Why don't they pay attention to what their actual business is and leave everything else alone?
2: Well, I'll tell you, Lou, if you're going to have a million-person march, then you need to have an organization to put that, you know, to coordinate that and all of that. And that takes money. If you're going to have a boycott uh, because they they sell a Confederate flag on their website, like eBay and Amazon, eBay and Amazon have taken off all Confederate battle flag merchandise from their website. Yes. Yeah. But if but uh, if you're going to boycott, then that means you need an organization. And organizations run on money. And here we come to the root of the whole thing, Lou. It isn't about the flag, it's about money. Mm-hmm. It's about keeping these race hustlers in business. Fit- Al Sharpton and D. Ray McKesson had to go back to an ordinary job, they would be gone. Now, They'd be broke. Supposedly D. Ray McKesson quit his job with the city of Milwaukee and he's living on donations. Well from what we understand folks, D. Ray has been being paid five thousand dollars a month by an organization run by George Soros. This dude is in it for the money, folks. He don't give a damn about rates. Hey he's getting paid he makes more money a month than I do, Lou. <laughs> yeah
1: you and me together. You
2: know, I I, I do I do somewhere around four thousand a month average. He's making more money than me in order to uh Promote hate, discontent between black and white Americans.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It isn't about the flag. It isn't about racism. It's about keep that kid in business. That's all it is. Weird how this whole Confederate flag thing just just sort of sprang up big time. How it went from nothing to a hundred miles an hour in no time flat. And that takes money. That's what we're talking about, folks. These guys are paid race hustlers. That's exactly what they are. They are paid to create a problem to their cause. That's what it's all about, folks. It's not about ending racism in America, it's about perpetuating a, a supply of money from the uninitiated. To the content, they're conning you, folks. You know, you would do more for society if you had two little kids at home. You would do more for society to teach those two little kids that skin color doesn't matter. You would make a more positive effect by Confederate flag merchandise off of their site. Now, what are you? I mean, seriously, are you parents or not? Because everything an adult learns, they learn from day one. They learn from day one of childhood. They were living with their parents for 18 years, or 17 years, 364 days. And the parents were responsible for their initiation into the world. So guess what, folks? I blame parents. You know, you guys perpetuate this stuff like, and all this crap rather than parenting them, rather than teaching them right and wrong, rather than teaching them that skin color does not matter. You know, rather than doing all that, you just let them go on their own and they're going to pick it up from someplace. And yeah, kids learn from each other too. And can... You know, we have school bullies and we have everything else. But you got to fight against that actively. You can't just let kids go, whether he was a sergeant or a warrant officer, but no matter which rank he was. He would always have his guys come over on Sunday afternoon for like the Sunday afternoon dinner and they'd sit and have beer and all that. And, folks, he would have black soldiers, white soldiers, either one, didn't matter. Dad used to go into the barracks on a Sunday afternoon, and there was always three or four guys hanging around, you know. They didn't go out drinking on a Sunday. They didn't go to the movies. They just kind of hung out in the barracks. And and my dad would go in there and say, you know, you guys come on over to my quarters. We'll sit down, have a couple of beers, and, and we'll have dinner. So we would have Sunday dinner with a couple of his GI's. And he treated them just like everybody else. And it didn't matter if that guy was black or white. You know, I remember 69, we just come back from uh, from Germany. And I was staying with my Uncle Paul up in upstate New York. Anyway, one weekend we went down to Pittsburgh to visit my Uncle David. Uh, that's Rob Carr's father. So...
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. We went down to visit my Uncle David. And I remember it was a Saturday afternoon, we were having a big barbecue and picnic and everything out at out at David's house. And one of the um one of the Catholic bishops was there. And he had this black guy with him. And, you know, they introduced him around and everything and I didn't think much of it. I didn't even hear the guy's name. But anyway, they were talking about, uh, I think, Dominican Republic or Haiti or something. They were talking about the Caribbean and, and how people down there needed help and all that. And uh, my Uncle David was well off, let's say. He wouldn't have been at the 1%, but he was close, close. And they were they were basically soliciting him, you know, for donations and, and uh, you know, The help that he could um, give them through his network and all that. Well, anyway, this black guy was a player for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and his name was Roberto Pomente. I met Roberto Pomente at my uncle's (laughs) house, and I thought, well, you know, it's just some baseball player from Pittsburgh I wasn't a Pittsburgh Pirates fan I had heard the name you know knew who Roberto Clemente was I, had, I didn't realize it was him at first because you know when you think about a superstar baseball player and you think about hanging out at your uncle's house on the weekend they 2 don't go together but that's who that was and you know he wasn't out of place because this is the way the Carr family is, but he was as welcome. He would have been as welcome had his name been Fred Smith. That's the way the Carr family has been for generations now. We have fought against racism and, and inequalities. I mean, my God, you know, uh, George Takei. Uh, who played Zulu on Star Trek, he just made a stupid remark about uh, Judge Thomas. Well, anyway, I have a direct connection to George. George and his family were put into internment camps by FDR during World War II. Now, when this happened, the, the loudest voice against the internment was my great-uncle, Ralph Carr, the governor of Colorado at the time. A Democrat put Takei and his family into the internment camps, and it was a Republican who was the loudest opponent of that. Spoke out against putting American citizens into internment camps. Very unpopular position in 1942, and it ruined him politically. And and it ruined him personally, too. But he never regretted that. That was a decision that, that he couldn't back down from. He had to make that decision. Because some of these people were American citizens, and they were afforded the same protections under the Constitution as every single other American citizen. That's the way the Carr family operates, folks. All men are created equal. Five words, and I don't see an ask that says accept this group or accept that group or accept the other group. It just says all men are created equal. That's all I know, folks. Okay. Anyway, Lou, um, probably got about ten, twelve minutes here. You want to uh, want to go ahead and jump in for a few minutes?
1: Well, one thing I wanted to bring up was the uh, traffic tonight on my way in from work. I don't very often, I see a lot of traffic on 75, yes. And I only have two exits, but believe me, that's a, a telling two exits. I could not believe how much traffic there was. And the rest area, both sides of the rest area were really filling up fast with trucks and so forth, probably just trying to get the heck out of the way. Coming south was a lot more traffic than going north, so I guess we had a lot of Floridians go north, and probably the ones that came down from the north are either staying a little longer or they already went back home earlier today, like Georgia and so forth. It's not that far away. But some of those were really doing some things with that much traffic on the road, doing things they should not have been, like racing, going much faster than necessary. And I I stayed around my 75, 76 mark in the center lane, and I literally had four vehicles come up behind me in the center lane and just crisscross behind and then back in front of me like they're they're doing a like they used to do in roller skating, where they'd crisscross in front of and do that dance type thing. They're doing it with cars. Somebody is going to get seriously injured. They need yeah. to slow down and they need to pay attention to what they're doing. That is not a good stretch of road.
2: Yeah, I uh, I have about three and a half, four hours from here up to my delivery point. I'm seriously thinking about leaving and like, which means traffic is dying to be giant. Yeah, I'm north of I'm, I'm north of Atlanta, but I'm on I-75, and I-75 from here to Chattanooga is going to be jammed, back. and then Chattanooga to Nashville is going to be jammed back. Anyway, um, this is a not not a good day for this to have happened. No, I'm,
0: uh, I, I'm
2: I'm north of Atlanta at to West Truck Stop up in Cartersville, and about six hours ago, all of their diesel pumps went down. Oh, they are just now, yeah, they are just now getting them restarted one by one. And the guy, the uh, you know, the the guy from the pump company, repair company, um, his van is still sitting here, of one of the pumps. I, I don't know what happened. I I got my full so I don't have to worry about it. But you should have seen this place. Just up until about a half hour ago, it was completely jammed up with trucks here. And I'm wow. I'm, I'm, I'm fuel island. In other words, trucks have to go right past me to get to fuel island. Mhm. I'm not I'm not in the parking lot, I'm above the fuel line. There's a big open space. Trucks come in alongside of me to the left, then they make a left turn to go into the fuel line. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of in a no park, but but there's trucks that park along this curb here. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's not a good thing to have after diesel pumps go down right in the middle of the holiday weekend, Sunday afternoon.
1: Definitely not.
2: Yeah, I haven't had CB on. I don't even want to hear it, and I can't. Uh, I can't see the interstate from here, but I know uh, from past history, probably until about eight or nine o'clock tonight, it'll be it'll be jammed out there on the interstate. Mhm. And everybody's going to be in a hurry to get home.
1: That and there's really no bad. reason well there's there's like really people. no reason to do it. They need to just sit back, relax, enjoy the scenery. It's beautiful out there right now. We've had enough rain, everything is green and gorgeous.
2: People all get hurt, and then of course <laughs> you have you have things like uh like up here, they have Stone Mountain, which is over uh kind of on the east side of Atlanta, but that gets a lot of traffic. Um, let me think now. There is, and I'm not sure where it is. I think there's a NASCAR race coming up, and I can't think of where it's at. I think it's down here somewhere. It's the Coke Zero 500, mm. and and Coca-Cola's home base is in Santa Georgia, so well, it's probably down here somewhere. So you got a NASCAR race coming up. You got Stone Mountain. Um, everybody comes up north of Atlanta to go up into the hills to to kind of cool off and, and you know, go out on Allatina Lake and go camping and all that. So this is a big area. between Basically between here and Chattanooga and Nashville, it, it's terrible traffic. Oh, that's another thing, folks, and um, I do this all the time. If you're on Twitter and you happen to be driving the state of Tennessee, Follow TN511. Tom Nancy511. Tennessee511 has a Twitter account. And anytime they have a problem out on the interstates, like a wreck or a disabled vehicle or a road closure or anything, they post it. Um, They tweet it out on TN511. Good people. I highly recommend them. I think it's the best road Twitter account in the country. And I always, you know, when I see something, I post it back to them and, and, you know, they follow me on Twitter and all that. TM511. Also, and I don't think we have time for it, but apparently there was a coup over at Reddit, R-E-D-D-I-T. One of the community moderators One of the big-time community moderators was fired, and there is a meltdown happening at Reddit. It's been going on for the last couple of days now. Um, We'll have more on that next time today. I'll go ahead and set up a a show for next Sunday, uh, 6 o'clock. All right, Luke? Okay. Okay. Well, we don't have very much time left here, it looks like. What do you got?
1: I've got 649.
2: Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. I got, uh, I got 652. Hmm. Okay, we have, we have a few minutes here. Go ahead and give me your final thoughts, and then I'll close it out.
1: Pretty much my final thoughts. Um, through our little central Florida area, we're getting still getting some spotty rain and so forth. Um. The roads are wet. The idiots are out. Please be careful. Slow down, relax. And I hope everyone had a great fourth, like mine was. You know, for a change, like I said, everything just came together with the exception of one, but you know, you can't do anything about everything. Um, Families, friends, good food is what the whole weekend was about being good to our vets, and being good to our pets as far as those noisemakers are concerned. I know my pets don't handle it well. The ones I have at home right now couldn't care less, but the others that I do have had in the past and do have with other family members, they don't. So, you know, think about it before you do something that is going to upset Either our veterans who have enough problems as it is, they don't need to have any more added to it. Be safe. Be careful. Enjoy. Okay. That's it, Lou? That's it, sir.
2: See what Lou said. Be careful out there. You know, holiday weekends are always a mess on the interstates. People do get hurt and killed out there. It's not worth it, folks. You know, trying to get home 10 minutes earlier is not worth your life. Just remember that. There's more important things to die for. You know, somebody said the other day, I think it was yesterday, that on July 4th, 1776, 50-some-odd men signed their own death warrant the Declaration of Independence was the death warrant of of the Sinai. And most of them uh, had pretty gruesome deaths. Most of them did. Most of them did not die peacefully in their beds, folks. So let's remember what happened on July 4th, 1776. Let's carry on for the next 237 years or whatever. You know? What is it? Is it 249? I don't know. Anyway. Whatever it is, folks, it happened on July 4th. So happy 4th of July to everyone. And we will see you here next week. And, you know, Lou, uh, normally I end with the uh, We'll Meet Again song. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to play the intro. I'm going to do the intro one more time as my exit song, and the reason I'm going to do that is because, whether you know it or not, folks, hundreds of thousands of men and women have been up and down the highways all weekend to bring you the things you need. So this Thank is my you. salute This is my salute to my fellow brother and sister truck drivers in America. We're out here hauling the goods, so you're having fun. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye-bye.
0: Fog on a midnight highway And eighteen wheels Are a-driving through the dawn There's a blue ridge Mountain sunrise Filling the mirrors And the ashtray's full The coffee's almost gone And the trucker's heading west To Colorado Passing the miles with his friends on the CB code And tonight the truck stops somewhere out in nowhere And tomorrow's the wind and the open road And I believe he's gonna drive that rig to glory I believe I feel the freedom in his story Riding that diesel one Chasing that long white line Dropping that load on time And he's going home